pleasure to uh, come and uh, share God's word and uh, interact with churches and especially a church that, uh, like this one that uh, supports the camp and uh, has a huge impact on uh, uh, the people of Killarney but also each camper that comes to Turtle Mountain. Just as Kathy's saying and thank you um, that's really our expression, as uh, as you have uh, have done so much uh, in encouraging us, and uh, also in support of of the camp and staff that that are there. One of the things that uh, I guess I always have the I think it's a privilege uh, of doing is introducing each year to our staff what our theme is. And uh, you've probably heard me say it many times. Uh, you know, every year we choose a theme. And uh, I'm not going to say it this year, okay? I've already said it. Uh, but what, uh, what we're doing this year is the same thing. And this year our theme is treasure. As you can see in the bulletin, I, I want to look at that word as we look through Scripture this morning. The passage that was read to you was from Matthew chapter 6. That's our our jumping-off point, uh, or our, uh, our main uh, verse that we want to use with our staff, the whole idea of where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But before we look at that, we're going to have a word of prayer, and then I want to jump back to the Old Testament for a moment. So let's have a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for what you have called us to do, not only at camp, but as believers in our communities. And that is to demonstrate your love to those around us. And Father, as we spend these next few minutes looking at your word, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would speak to us through it. That, Father, we would be encouraged, would be built up in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I used to think uh, as on, on this idea of treasure that there's very few passages in Scripture with the actual word treasure until I started to look at that word and uh, the derivatives of that word and, and so on. So back in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 5, Exodus chapter 19, this is... Uh, Moses has just come down from the mount and God has shared with him what he wants to tell the people of Israel, the children of God's chosen children. And in verse 5, it says this, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenants, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. God said to Moses, and or through Moses to the people of Israel, that if they were to keep his covenant, if they were to obey him, God would call them his treasured possession. 
I don't know about you, but if your mom or dad came to you and said, you're my treasured possession, what does that do for you? Put that tingly things up your spine and say, oh, isn't that cute? And uh, all, I think it's so much more than that. This is God the creator. This is Yahweh, the almighty, saying to a little tribe of people that if you keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possession. And as a treasured possession, I have this idea that God is saying, I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to protect you because as a treasure, it's valuable to me. You are valuable to me. And you know, if we go over into the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 1, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We've just celebrated Easter. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. The phrase in there, and oh, that's, we can unpack that and uh, spend pretty well a whole year looking at that little passage of scripture. But the phrase in there that says that God is giving us an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, that's reserved in heaven for you, that is kept by the power of God, tells me the same thing, that as a treasured possession of God, God is securing who I am, and who I am in him, and what I have in him. That whole idea of kept by the power of God is the idea of a garrison, uh, a military term that says, I am going to keep this fort or I'm going to keep this, uh, uh, take a stand uh, for protecting what is already behind me. And so he, the idea is that he sends a garrison of angels to protect what is his. And men and women, brothers and sisters, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are God's treasured possession, and God will keep you. God will secure you and give you that inheritance. So just as we are a treasured possession of God, God also in turn gives us treasure. Two passages of scripture come to mind in this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We have this treasure in jars of clay. What is this treasure? 
If you read commentaries, they say it's the gospel. And I don't disagree with that. Uh, The gospel is a treasure. Uh, When you really understand the simplicity and yet the complexity of the gospel, it's a treasure that God has given to us. But I also believe that it's also the Holy Spirit. God, when Jesus left to go back to heaven, what did he say? I am going to leave with you a paraclete. I'm going to leave you with the Spirit who is going to reveal to you all the truth and guide you into all truth. So I think it's one and the both. Okay, It's the gospel that we get to share with one another, but it's the Holy Spirit that resides in us. That's a treasure that God gives us. And it's in jars of clay, you and me. Jars of clay... You know, they're usually cracked. Have you heard the term crackpot? You know, <laughs> that, that's sort of what we are, right? But God gives us the Holy Spirit in jars of clay. Wow. Secondly, in Colossians chapter 2, it says that we may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. God gives us a treasure in Christ. How many believe that this morning? That God gives us a treasure in Jesus Christ. And these tre- this treasure is to guide us into all wisdom and knowledge. You want to know what God has for your life? Seek Christ. You want to know where or or what the future is, it's in Christ. All the wisdom of knowledge, wisdom and knowledge is found in Christ. And God gives us that treasure. But notice that both of these come as a with a purpose. There's a purpose for them. In 2 Corinthians, it says, so that we might know the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We've got no power at all. It all comes from God. And in Colossians, it says that we might know the mystery of God, and so that we can know the mystery of God, he gives us Christ. You see, what God gives us, the treasure God gives us, is for the purpose of revealing God in us and to the world. It's not about us. It's not that we're worthy to be his treasure. It's not that we're worthy to uh, be the, uh, the bearer of his name. God makes us worthy because of his son's death on the cross and his great love for us. That's the treasured possession That's how valuable he sees you. But as we get to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is saying in this passage, starting at verse 19, where it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. It automatically brings a question to my mind. There's something else than the treasure of God. 
There's other things that can take away from that treasure. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth, rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But, do, uh, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he says this line, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And as I was thinking of that, where your treasure is, my mind went back to Exodus chapter 19, where God calls the children of Israel and believers today who trust in Christ his treasured possession. And I know it's not in the context, and forgive me, Danny, for that, but in in the context it's saying that our, our treasure... Uh, here, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's the difference between the treasures of heaven and the treasures of earth, and so on. But would it not be true that if God's heart is so for his people, then where God's treasure is, that's where his heart is going to be as well. Where God's treasure is, and who's his treasure? You and I. We are his treasured possession. Now, does that make you valuable? (laughs) Wow. That's what we want to share with our campers this year, that they are valuable. God sees them as a treasured possession. That's what we want to share with our staff and as staff, they, they get to explain and, and share in their own way that, that they are a treasured possession of God. And the treasure that God gives them, they want to share with the campers. This passage in Matthew 6 has a comparison between treasures on heaven and treasures on earth. And the question is, how do you know where your treasure is? How, how do you know uh, what we treasure? That's probably a, a question that is probably easy to answer, but let me just give you a couple of things here, things to think about. Treasure, or what we treasure, is what we spend a lot of time thinking about. What we treasure is what we what we set our mind at. So what are you thinking about on a constant basis? The fact that it's dreary outside and, yeah, I just can't get on the fields yet uh, and whatever. Or is it, you know, God's provided this weather and I'm going to just Rejoice in God, uh, I don't understand, but God, see the difference? Where, where is it? What are we thinking about? We know the Christmas story, and in the end of, or near the end of the story uh, in the Luke chapter 2, it says that Mary treasured those things and pondered them in her heart what were the things that she pondered or she treasured 
just the very things of concerning that little baby that was born to her in a manger. The fact that this little child was said and was told to be and was told her that it was going to be the Son of God, Jesus, in human form. She pondered, she treasured those things. She pondered them in her heart. So what events, what are things that you're thinking about? That's an indication of where your treasure is. Secondly, what we treasure will be borne out in what we do and what we say. Our actions will often reveal where our treasure is. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus says this, The good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. There are, you can suppress all kinds of feelings for so long, but eventually pushed into a corner or, or just in the right circumstance or with the right pressures, something explodes. And at that moment, what comes out of your heart? What comes out of your mouth? Okay? That's an indication of where our treasure is. It's not easy. The world gives us all kinds of pressures, all kinds of uh, deceptive uh, pleasures, I guess we could say, that make it look really good. And yet, they are treasures of this worth. The third thing is where we spend our time. Not just thinking, but where we spend our time is an indication of where our treasure is. So what is storing up treasure in heaven? If, if these things are ways of us determining our treasure, where, where we set our treasures on earth, what, what is storing up treasure in heaven? I came across this passage in 1 Timothy. I'd like to read it to you. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 and 19. So often when we ask a question from Scripture, or a question that Scripture maybe gives to us, Um, I find it uh, important, first and foremost, let's go to Scripture to answer the question. Not, I mean, yeah, commentaries are good, and other people's comments are good, and and ideas, but what does Scripture say? How would Scripture answer that question? So what is storing up treasure in heaven? 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19. Actually, I guess it's 17 and 18. Uh, verse 17 command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth 
which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. In order to lay up for yourselves or lay up treasure for themselves, they are to what? Do good, be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. That has nothing to do with selfishness, does it? It's all about the other person, looking at somebody else and helping them in their time of need, in their time of struggle. And that's what the gospel does for us. Because without the gospel, you and I are selfish. It's all about me. It's all about what do I get out of life? What's in it for me? When the gospel impacts our life, it's not about what's in it for me. It's what can I do to help you see Christ? What can I do to help you understand that there's more to this life than just what you see in this physical realm? So it changes our focus, the gospel. And that's what storing up treasure in heaven is. Many of our staff have had the privilege of sharing the gospel, sharing the good news with campers who have more and more um, have never heard it. And yes, they're from Canada. Yes, they're from Brandon or Killarney or Boisevain or the Westman area, Winnipeg. And they come and they've never heard that Jesus loves them. They've never heard that Jesus uh, loves them so much that they hung on a cross. I had the privilege of uh, having our neighbor boys come to camp, neighbor from right across the street, last year. And as they came, um, I know the dad, and, um, you know, the, the dad actually has come on a field trip to camp before. Uh, his, the, the mother has actually brought her class on a field trip. That's how they got interested in camp, and, and the grandfather uh, works for, as a local mechanic, and uh, he would like to send his kids to camp. So they did. They couldn't make it through the week. They got homesick, and I was running to town, so I said, I'll bring them in. And on the way into town, uh, they're sitting in the back seat, just totally exhausted, and I try to carry on a conversation for them. And as I'm carrying on the conversation, I ask them, you know, what did you learn at camp? What, what was some of your favorite things? And of course, you know, they, they know I'm the camp director, so they were trying to figure out, okay, what's he really wanting me to say, you know? And the... Uh, the youngest one spoke up and was saying, uh, you know, well, you know, I liked archery and I liked this and I liked that. And then the, the oldest one said, um, we learned about, um, we learned about, uh, and then I hear him in the back seat learned to his brother, who's that guy that died on the cross? And uh, the youngest one says, Jesus. And then he turns back to me and I'm looking in the rearview mirror and he says, yeah, we learned about Jesus. And I, all of a sudden I thought, here's people 
right across the street from me. And they couldn't even remember, even being at camp, uh, what the name of this person was. It was just a story to them. The very, about two days later, I was coming to town and one of our staff members had a car broken down and I had to stop at my mechanics. Guess who the first person I met was the grandfather. Hop in my truck, we'll go and take a look at the car. And uh, we went in. I, we hadn't even got out of the parking lot. And he says, I don't know what you're doing at camp. Now, normally, if this grandfather had said that, I'd be shaking in my boots because he's he does uh, he doesn't really think too much of church, uh, Christians, or anything like this. Good person in a sense, uh, but but he said he said this with an excitement in his voice, and I thought, oh boy, what's what what's coming? And before we get out of the parking lot, he says, you know, the first thing that my grandson grand, grandsons told me when they came out to the farm. I said, what was that? They said, Grandpa, did you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? They caught the treasure. And they were sharing it with their grandfather. We're hoping they come back to camp again this year. They're talking about it, and, uh, and so on. Storing up treasure in heaven is sort of like your eternal guarantee investment certificate, right? It's, an, it's a guaranteed investment fund. As we read in 1 Peter, it's an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled. It cannot fade. It does not fade. It's reserved. It's reserved. It's got your name on it. And God keeps it by his power. Not just by the angels he gets to protect it, but his power. It's as if to say, if for some reason the angels fail, and they can't, but if for some reason God's power is there to protect it. I say all this to say this. Uh, In words of Jim Elliott, the missionary who was killed by the Akas. And you know, the, you know the statement he made. He said, He is no fool that gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. But think of it. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep, the treasures of this earth. Can't keep them. The Bible says they fade away. Thieves come in and steal them. He is no fool to give that up, to gain what he cannot lose, the treasures of heaven, where no thief can steal them, where rust cannot destroy it. So we need to ask ourselves what it is that we treasure. We need to make sure that it is God, his word, his desire for our lives. If we treasure other things, even as much as God, but definitely if it's more than God, they are idols. They are things that are removing us from the very 
design that God intended. And that us that is for us to be his treasured possession. In turn, he becomes our very treasure. And so the question might not be, where is your treasure? But where is your heart? Where's your heart this morning? And there's only two people that know that answer. You and God. Your wife, your spouse, your kids, your neighbor, the person sitting next to you, they don't really know it. You know it. Where's your heart this morning? Is it on God? Is it on the things that God has for you? Or is it on the things of this world? The things that are deceiving us into the false security that the world gives. So I close with this. You are a treasure to God. Number two, you have treasure from God. Three, there is treasure that can take over our time and take over the the areas of our life that um, that God is intended to be. And when they do, they become idols. And number four, God has to be the treasure of your life. And when he is, everything else will be of less value. And God will definitely be able to be seen as your treasure to the world around you, to your neighbors, to your family, to those that are watching you. And they are watching. So I pray this morning that this message of treasure is encouragement. Yes, there's a challenge there. The challenge to be honest with yourself and with God as to where your heart is. And if your heart is distant from God or even somewhat removed from where you know God wants it to be, then the courage comes in stepping forward, coming before God, and say, God, make my heart in tune with you. It needs to be done daily. You can't rely on yesterday's desires or yesterday's willpower, uh, yesterday's strength, yesterday's for today. It's on a daily basis. Come before God. Open your heart to him. And watch God do a work in your life because you are valuable to him. You are God's treasure. Let's pray. Father God, 
I thank you so much for this topic and what it has taught me, what it has reminded me. It has reminded me, Heavenly Father, that I am valuable in your eyes. Not because of what I can give you, not because of uh, my accomplishments, but just because you loved me. You gave your son for me. And Father, what else should I do but to in turn give my heart to you? And so, Father, I pray for these people here. That, Father, they would heed these words. They would hear them and do what you are prompting them to do in their heart. In Jesus' name.